and welcome to episode 11 of the Nerdcast. Um, today, we're doing another one-on-one interview, and I'm very pleased and uh, excited to uh, introduce you all to a fr- an old friend of mine, Alexis Baroni. Hello, Alexis. What's up? How are you, Spencer? <laughs> I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for doing this. This is awesome. Absolutely. Um, Quick programming notes for everybody. If you like what you see, please like and subscribe. We are on Facebook, Twitter. We are everywhere. Podcasts are, you know, available, which, yeah, wherever you want to find us, we probably are. And while you're there, like and subscribe. It means the world to us. Um, so how are, how are you doing? Good? I'm doing great. I mean, like, I'm, I don't know. I couldn't be better, all things considered. <laughs> That's a really good place to be. You don't hear yeah. enough of that lately, you know? Yeah. But there's a lot of hope on the horizon right now. It's kind of a interesting time to be alive. We'll see. Yeah, definitely. Like, there's... <laughs> it's so funny. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday about this. We were talking about the fact that, you know, if this happened, like, 1917, the vaccine wouldn't be out for another three years, you know? We're just talking about science and, like, how incredible it is that we can even be at the point we're at now. Yes, it sucks that we're still, like, not all vaccinated and we can't just go out bar hopping, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's well, it's, beyond. I say that are. same thing all the time. I mean, better to, to be stuck in this point in time with something like this where you can do stuff like this with, like, Zoom calls and you can communicate better. I imagine, like, you know, the, you know, 1918... 19 teens sounds kind of weird people people are just like on a farm somewhere like miles away from civilization just like i guess we wait (laughs) i don't know Uh, yeah and not even being able to get like updates be like oh it's all snail mail it's all mail like oh i can't just pick up my phone and be like are you good (laughs) at least rice was super cheap i don't know the food was cheaper (laughs) back then they had something going for them but uh anyways You are a filmmaker. Uh, you kind of grew up around the Maryland area, the greater yes. Maryland area. Yeah. And now you are in Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. super, super jealous and interested and curious because Atlanta to me has been like this kind of quasi new Hollywood for quite a while now, in my opinion. But it's very like, it's not all over the place in the mainstream. People don't really perceive it that way. I don't feel like yet. Talk about kind of, this is a total curveball. This is not a pre-pro question. I said, but talk about just generally, how's the atmosphere down there for, for filmmakers? The atmosphere down here for filmmakers is very welcoming. And I think compared to your major markets, um, even overseas or out of the country, like not just your LA, New York, but also Toronto, London, things like that. Mm-hmm. Being in Atlanta is a lot more affordable, um, yeah. which also helps. Uh, part of the reason why I moved down here was to work on a TV show, which I'm currently working on. Um, we're, we shoot on weekends, which is really nice. Oh, yeah. um, but what I really like about Atlanta so far is that you really do genuinely get that Southern hospitality, even right. while you're on set. Like yeah. I walked on first day and everyone's like, yeah, like, how are you? Like, are you liking it down here? And things like that. And I was like, thank you for asking. <laughs> like, yeah, right. I do genuinely feel like you don't get that on every set. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty great. It's super welcoming. And like I said, especially given the fact that it's so affordable, mm-hmm. um, people like myself who are in their twenties and, and et cetera, and people like me, you know, even if you have student loan debt and stuff like that, you can come down here, find consistent work, or at least build up to that point where you have it. 
and be able to afford, you know, some sort of actual living and not be like, oh, I'm eating ramen and paying $8,000 a month for a closet. Right. So, yeah, yeah, this is welcome to my shoe box. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> I imagine with people being like, you know, and it's probably a bit of researchers bias too, because I do that every time. It's like, oh, people are so nice here. And it's just like my own personal experience. But like, I would imagine while Atlanta has plenty of noise for sure, it's not the same tenor or type of noise as in like the greater DC area, which is very like politically and like intensely charged. It's probably yeah. nice just to get away from there where people are just like not as encumbered by that. I would say. I mean, there's still like really? to, to digress a little bit. You know, there's definitely a lot of politics going on, especially right now. You know, the state well, just you are right. <laughs> blue, yeah. you know, but it's still very 50 50. Um, it is really interesting because um, I made it a point, and my fiance and I were talking about this in the car the other day. Like, I made a point to make sure I'm like, okay, well, if I meet somebody in the supermarket and, you know, they have a giant Trump shirt on or whatever, like, not to just be like, you know automatically but to, you know but to be like okay cool like you're a person fine you know what I mean like it, and, and also be like open to conversation with them is what I mean like not just automatically write them off yeah because they're so loud about it because there's still a lot of very very loud people out here oh, um, yeah. specifically for Trump or for Biden or for Timbuktu you know like <laughs> right it is Lots very, of very strong opinions down there, no doubt. Very strong opinions. But mm. um, to kind of jump back into the filmmaker side a little bit, you know, and you'd ask about like the the tenor per se, like in how it feels here versus everywhere else. Um, that's part of the reason why I wanted to do this contract specifically um, is because this first sprint of, of season one is just six months um, or so, a oh, little less. Yeah. So, you know, I'm doing a long-term fully furnished lease, you know, and I'm, I'm here and I'm exploring while I'm not on set, you know, and it's given me the time to kind of see that. And it's definitely a lot quieter than LA and New York, obviously, like from a literal, like noise and overwhelm standpoint, but it also kind of feels a little bit like, I don't know if you've ever been there, but like Austin, um, Texas. I like, haven't. And I want to go so bad. It's amazing. You got to go to Austin. I heard the music and the food there is just Oh, just so good. It is oh banging. my god. It is banging. But like that's kind of how it feels a little bit here. Like it feels like everyone does their own thing. Um, you know, they they wave their own flag, whatever that is, you know, and they're really happy about, proud about it. And it's just so unique. And like mm -hmm. everyone here just does whatever they want to do which is also true for how they drive on the roads we won't get into that um, but it's <laughs> wait till there's like the slightest bit of precipitation and then everything looks like the walking dead for like a month dude it's serious i was actually in i was living in south carolina when that snowstorm hit down here a few years ago and there were like mm -hmm. babies born in traffic and oh, people yeah. were, like, living in their cars for three days and i was like it was this much snow oh yeah <laughs> we don't have the infrastructure for this everybody we go but also people just down here, like I said, they, they do whatever they want. That includes driving crazy. So. It's just, you just gotta like know. be careful to avoid those people when you're driving, when there's any type of like, even like a hard wind, it's like, oh geez. Um, but just to like sum up really quick. Yeah. Everyone here is really welcoming. Um, I really like the fact that everyone, like the filmmakers down here are proud to be from Atlanta or proud to be living in Atlanta and proud sure. to be making Georgian product. And I really love that about this place. There's a lot of like 
super, super proud people from Atlanta. I think of people like obviously like Lil John and and like Outcast and some of those people, but also like Tyler Perry just built like this gigantic, you know, film studio in Atlanta. And I know like mm-hmm. Disney has been shooting there for quite a while now. Like it was a Pinewood Studios down there. Yes. Um, yeah. So there's a lot going on down there. They might not be like, you know. I know some people were freaking out a little bit about the fact that Marvel is now going to Australia, I believe. But mm. there's so much work here, even if it's not big, big production like that, which there is still a lot of that. I mean, you've got um, Stranger Things, Walking Dead, I think, uh, Ozark, you know, all like major, major shows. That's, you know, but then you also have all the major shows for like BET and All Black and things like that. So like you've got yeah. so much down here that I'm like, don't, don't even worry about it right now. Yeah. I also say that as somebody who has a steady paycheck. <laughs> right. Well, it's, it's great too, that they're going to somewhere like Australia, because I mean, I think already of like, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot more space out there as far as just like scenes and settings and places to shoot i don't know i could go down a deep rabbit hole of thought (laughs) yeah i mean i part of the reason why like you have these and it's so funny because people are like oh pinewood must be so close to atlanta it's like it's like an hour south because they need all that room oh for sure all of these things you know it's essentially like they're amazon distribution center building type thing where they just like they build up a big ass set and then they tear it down they build up another set so they need like a lot of storage area for that yeah but yeah. um to you know start us off <laughs> that wasn't a long enough start um <laughs> i wanted to ask you what made you want to get into filmmaking in the first place yeah and here's the thing i read all these questions too and now i'm kind of like what did you know like i've answered this question a hundred times it's always a little different isn't it It is a little different every time Um, because not only am I able to answer like what got me into it, but now I'm kind of able to answer why I continue with it. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, I feel like as filmmakers, we get asked like, oh, what got you into it? What got you into it? And that's great. But you can start anything, but you don't, that doesn't mean you're always going to finish it. So I'll answer Mm -hmm. your question. I'll answer two questions, even though you only asked. (laughs) I'll answer my question. (laughs) I'll answer my question too. Um, (laughs) Did you feel free to like stop me in the time? Um, <laughs> you see the hook come in over his like, oh. <laughs> I wish but, I knew how to do that. <laughs> but um, I got into filmmaking at the tender age of like 14. Um, and even before that, I was an actor first. So when I was 14 years old, I did my first, I think it was like three days ago that I saw like my Facebook timeline from like years ago. It was like, I updated my status and I was like, I'm going to be on my first short film today or whatever. So like I've been acting in front of the camera since I was 14. Sweet. But I've been making films. I didn't really realize it since I was like, you know, able to hold a camera, Mm -hmm. you know, I think as most filmmakers are want to say. But I started off by doing little videos on YouTube, which I can totally find for you. And I'm not going to <laughs> uh, um, Hogwarts student access with me and my best friend. And oh, we, I and have to link link in the description. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like I was doing stuff from, from a young age and I just remember like saying, oh, I want to look like this. I want to look like this, blah, 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 you know, and um, it it took me a while to kind of realize that I belong on both sides of the camera because right. Like a lot of times, especially when you're, you know, in your teens and early twenties, people are like, well, what do you do? And mm. it's like, I do everything. And they're like, no, 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 no. What do you do? And I'm like, I just told you, 
Um, <laughs> I ended up going to study a BFA in musical theater. So I was going to get a bachelor's of fine arts in that at Coastal Carolina. And then a year and a half into that, I was like, I remember going to the theater to see, I think, what was it? Big Hero 6. Um, oh, I was fantastic only, pick. <laughs> it was awesome. You know, I wanted something light and apart, you know, like because I was kind of depressed at the time. I didn't feel like I belonged. And um, like, I remember sitting, it was like a matinee and I was sitting in the theater by myself and mm. it's just looking at a completely blank screen. Like I was there before everything, like before trailers, it's completely blank. And I was like, I want to see my name up there. It was like on both sides. And that's when I was like, hmm, I got to go to film school. So then I transferred to Towson and then I graduated film school and now I'm doing both. So that was a really quick wrap up, but yeah. that's kind of what, what got me into it. That's excellent. And, um, you know, it makes me think of a couple points. Just, you know, I talked to Sean, my last interview about kind of how the movie theater in a really weird way has always been like a sort of strange temple for me. Like a lot of people are like super religious. Some people are just like super into politics, whatever. Film and, you know, for a long time it was concerts too. I would throw that in there as well. But that was much more of like a community type feel. But yeah. you go to a theater and it gets dark and it's just you in this movie. Even if you go with people, it's you in a movie for like two to two and a half hours sometimes. And it's just like super reflective. You escape for a while and everything. And that was, I guess, sort of kind of the same reason I kind of got into it or am getting into it, I should say. Uh, it's because like you just you're like, this is so much more awesome than real life. I want to be involved with that, like making people feel the way I feel when I watch these things. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and um, I had this really incredible experience once when I was at a film festival here in Georgia before I moved down here. And I just done my first short film. I just directed it and whatever um, called When I Leave. And that was back uh, the film festivals in 2019. And it's just a a quick synopsis the, the film when i leave is about a young woman in the military who needs to who faces her biggest battle at home so basically she finds out she's pregnant right before she has to get deployed so she has to pick between getting deployed or staying home and raising a family and then following up with her career later uh, which is a choice a lot of women have to face and so i was kind of surprised that I got accepted to a festival in georgia because you know the abortion question came up um, oh. I'll let you guys watch the film and, and find out what happens. I'm going to publish it, I think, later this month, like, for everyone to see. Did and, you uh, uh, shop it at some film festivals? I, yeah, I mean, like, I I knew I, I wasn't expecting it to get picked up by any sort of thing. So for me, really, um, I wasn't shopping it, but I was more or less, like... Just exposure and for fun kind of thing? or Exactly, exposure and, frankly, getting used to being in the festival environment because it is a completely different environment. Um but I came out of that screening at, at that festival and a young woman and her daughter were there who had met the night before at the happy hour or whatever. And she was crying and I was like, oh God, this is when it happens. Like she's a local, I'm about to get like run out of Georgia. This is great. She's like, I have never felt more seen in my life. She's like, I have never felt more understood than when that character had to make a choice between having a family and not. And she's like, oh, well, I made my choice and she's right here, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it was it was really sweet. Like her daughter like drew me a picture and everything and like, I'm about to cry. Like, yeah, like, it just, it made me feel really good that the story I decided to tell 
actually affected someone and made them feel like their story mattered. For sure. And it's, I, you know, I hate to take the spit on it that I'm about to, but it's like, it infuriates me when people like write off things like art or film or music or whatever, as just like, oh, it's kind of frivolous and stuff. But when you take somebody like that story right there and somebody like feels that like genuine of an emotion or it like helps them cope for some reason or a million other emotions they could feel, it's like, that's why you do it. And yeah, it's just, it bothers me when people just write off stuff like films, but I, I like, I'm, such a staunch defender of art in its various forms. Really? It's like you have a podcast or something. It's almost like I go out of my way to talk about this. <laughs> now, if only someone will listen. <laughs> but um, awesome. So moving forward, um, kind of chronologically, I guess, what type of training and studying or experiences have you gotten yourself involved in to kind of prepare for what you're doing now? Sure. So a lot of it. Let me rephrase that. Um, Humble brag. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I've been doing a lot because to train, train for this moment per se. Um, I mean, it's, it's so funny because you and I were talking before we started recording this, you and I were talking a little bit about my IMDb page. Yep. And like, oh, it's a log or whatever. And I was like, yeah. And what a page it is. <laughs> um, but it's so funny because like I I was going through it the other, like I was going through it and I was updating my website because I'm republishing it or whatever later this month. And and I was like, holy shit, like I've done a lot. <laughs> I was like, oh, like <laughs> this is why I get pissed off when people try to explain things to me on set anymore. Mm-hmm. Then I'm like, I know this. Thanks, hon. Um, yeah, like, of course, I'll never say it when I'm on there. But there's days, with, you know, everybody has this moment where you're like, I know. Yep. Thank you. Appreciate that. Exactly. So, <laughs> um, but specific things. Well, I went to film school, which I don't recommend for everybody because now I'm ass space in debt. Um, and I started working on set really early. I started doing stuff for free, which I also don't really recommend um, mm. unless you're in a good financial position, you know, in which case, yeah, go for it. You know, like if you've got a month's worth of rent or whatever already you got, go for it. Um, I did a lot. I've done a lot. I'm still doing a lot. You know, one of the biggest things was I found, I was lucky enough to find mentors who have taken me under their wing and also consistently helped me find work. Um, that consistently challenged myself. So for example, the job that I'm on right now in Atlanta, my boss and mentor got me the job and he was like, you're going to learn a lot from this. And I was like, yeah, you're right. (laughs) And I have been, you know, and just, um, but the biggest thing that, and I'm still learning this lesson, of course, is to just sit down and listen. Like, yes, you need to, especially when you're directing, you know, you need to be able to step up. Mm-hmm. but you also need to be able to listen to other people because everybody has a completely different way of seeing the project you're on. So for me, a lot of that training also came in just lunch hours or lunch half hours. Um, but just asking people like, how did you get into production design? Tell me more about your training. Tell me more about your experience and what are your inspirations mm-hmm. and things like that. What got you into gaffing? What got you into gripping? What got you into DPing? You know, things like that. 
the biggest experience, the biggest training I've ever received is just by asking people questions and talking to them about things on set, offset, at the bar, <laughs> on Zoom, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's might be a long-winded answer, but. No, I love when you just kind of like let your brain go and kind of, you know, it. I'm sitting here thinking it's like all the cliches are so applicable to like pursuing film and stuff. It's like networking is everything. It really is a team sport. Like when you think about how much goes into it, but it is funny how, you know, of course I went, you went to a brick and mortar film school. I did an online film school and I'm, you know, I, I'm finding out right now that like, it's good to know everything because a lot of times when you're early on, it's guerrilla filmmaking and it's like, you need to know how to schedule, set up everything, like shoot, keep, you know, Oh my god! And then editing and marketing. Oh, and also knowing how to open an LLC, knowing about ROIs, knowing about LOIs, knowing about film festival circuits. Everything. I gotta have a lawyer in the family, dude. I hey, actually, can you help really me? Helpful. It's been really helpful to have a lawyer in the family, honestly. Um, but yeah, it's you're right. You're absolutely right. Knowing how to do everything, especially early on, saves you a lot of. It saves you a lot of time. It will not save you years off your life. And you can time. you can tell who's spent and put in the time. Like certain filmmakers, I think about like it's one that really comes to mind right now is like Bryce Dallas Howard with like her episodes of The Mandalorian and watching the behind the scenes of her working on it. And because she has been an actress, because she's another director's daughter and everything, like just the interaction she has and how she's like so familiar with like everything that's going on. And it's like you know that she has spent time on set and is like you know, actually in tune with what's going on as opposed to there's countless movies that you watch and it's just like, oh my God, what is happening? Like the left hand's not talking to the right. And it's just like, what is, what is happening? Well, and, that's, and that's kind of where it, it is really interesting because I'm learning this, especially now working on episodic, um, mm. which I haven't really done before. I've worked on episodic, but not like this. Um, Here it's a know, completely different challenge. It's a very different challenge. Um, thankfully what we're doing is a talk show. So there is a, pretty much it's a formula you know like we pretty right. much wash rinse repeat every week and then change it a little bit it is now, are, one, i'm sorry to interrupt you are you a writer on this what are you doing on that no i'm not um i'm an assistant director slash a thousand other things because season one um assistant director can sometimes in a lot of roles can sometimes be uh like the responsibilities for one might not be one-to-one -one with they are on another project. What are your responsibilities like as the assistant director right now for everybody? Sure, and just so you know, um, the show is called Social Society. It's super exciting. It's all black, um, super great. Um, and and I, I would love to actually talk about this experience, especially being a mixed and mostly white filmmaker on a black TV show. Would love to talk about it. The floor is yours. Thank you. Um, I'll just but, be taking notes over here. Yeah, go for it. We like gotta cut all of this, gotta cut all of that. She talks way too much. <laughs> nope, nope, unedited. Um, well, fuck. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so the show I'm working on right now is called Social Society. It's freaking awesome. I love the crew. I love the talent. Um, we're working with an an influencer slash talent slash amazing person. His name is Kendall. Kendall. Uh, you can. I'll send you his like IG or whatever. Um, but the show basically is talking about it's all things like culture and black culture um, in social media, out of social media, and just kind of talking a lot about 
well everything it's talk show you say and, it's a talk show so is it like kind of like this is a bad example but like a wendy williams show where it's more her talking at the audience and less of like a a jimmy kimmel where they're interviewing people kind of thing definitely or? more like jimmy kimmel oh um, it is okay yes because we are having a lot of virtual guests which funny enough i think works with the fact that we're in a pandemic you so it's know, like the Drew Barrymore show that just came out or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Um, or like Red Table Talk. Um, <laughs> like what now? I'm sorry. Or like Red Table Talk. Oh, okay. Yeah. And what's really great is, like I said, the fact that we're in the pandemic right now, I think really lends to the fact that we have a lot of virtual guests, um, mm. which, which posed its own technical challenges. Uh, that was really cool to watch. Um, my boss, actually the DP of the show, his name is Shane Colella. He's freaking awesome. But like watching him sort through all that stuff with the showrunner and creator and EP Sheena Carter was just really awesome. Um, so I really have a, I honestly have a backseat to like watch all of this happen. So my role on this show is to kind of make sure that we have detailed notes. So like I'm taking show notes, I'm taking notes saying like, okay, cool. I need you know, like this happened at like this time code and circle takes and all the super technical stuff that really helps the fact that you have like a long running talk show where you could have people talking for 20 minutes, but we have to cut it down to a seven minute segment, you mm -hmm. know? So again, especially on such a small crew like this, every person counts. And that's what I happen to do on the show. I also work a little bit with the talent, but we're still kind of figuring out the best flow for that. Again, and then you feed point. those notes to the director, correct? And I would assume whoever the showrunner is. So I usually get them from whoever the guest director is or from the producers who are essentially directing the show. So an episodic like this, usually it's the showrunner, the EPs or the producers that really mm -hmm. have more directing capabilities than a director. So like uh, the John Favreau and Dave Filoni over the Mandalorian who aren't like directing the individual thing, but they're just kind of the puppet masters, I guess. Um, no, because that's narrative. So this is a little different because at least in my mind, okay. um, I don't work on The Mandalorian, so I couldn't tell you. <laughs> you don't? <laughs> no, but if I did, I'd probably be telling you. <laughs> but it's it's a little narrative versus episodic, um, essentially unscripted slash reality slash talk show TV is a little different. So in that world, the producers and the showrunner are more the director, whereas in the narrative world, you have directors because you have actors. Over here, we don't have actors. We have people talking so you know the producers might say okay wait like let's tighten that up i want you to say this you know whole entire spiel in these two sentences here are the sentences and go it's it's very different that's very interesting i you know one of the many reasons i wanted to have you on because i know you have the, this kind of experience that can speak to stuff and teach me too because it's like i love learning about all this stuff um Absolutely. anything else to uh you want to talk about as far as like projects you got going on right now you want to shout um, out sure so i'll talk about that don't let me forget to talk about the being a you know mixed white filmmaker on a black filmmaker set because that would be really cool i'd love to talk about that yes um <laughs> it's been very it's just it, real quick it's been super humbling um it's, it's go been into that go into that let's do that right now that's okay. much more interesting than my question <laughs> sure um it's been it's been interesting. This is like the third project in a row, actually, where I've been essentially the minority on set, not from a gender point of view, but from an ethnicity point of view. To be very honest with you, I do not consider myself white. I consider myself mixed because I'm also Filipino. But mm -hmm. most people don't 
pick that up. So I get it. It's fine. That is literally um, my wife. She's white, but she is half Filipino, or at least yeah. I guess a quarter technically, because her grandmother was Irish and her grandfather. I don't know. But yes, <laughs> similar. Sorry, sorry yeah, to cut no, you off. No, absolutely. But like I've, you know, so when people are talking about like, oh, the, you know, filling in the boxes or whatever. Like even when I was young, like I never filled in white. Like I was filled in other anyway. But I'm basically a white filmmaker on a black show, and it's it's been very humbling and amazing to watch it because it is a different, like black American culture is, is its own beautiful, amazing culture. And I've been very immersed into it. Um, mm. you know, and just being able to be like watching, like to just be able to be on set and to like be a part of helping these filmmakers tell these stories that are so important, especially now has been yeah. truly humbling and truly an amazing experience. And now I also have like all the answers to all the questions I always had, like about like, so why do you call it this? So tell me more about this. Like, especially working with talent, I got to learn and watch a lot about hair care. Got oh, interesting. Like ethnic got a master's care. degree in it. <laughs> Amazing. Like I just respect so much respect. I mean, the, the amount of time, you know, these, especially the women put into, into their looks is I'm just like, you go girl, you know, like I get it now. Yeah. Um, and so it's just, it's just been really, really great to be a part of something so meaningful, mm. you know, and to, and to frankly sit up and shut, shut up and sit down and shut up and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm watching, I'm here to support you. You know, it's, it's been great. It's been great to hear their voices and to watch them tell their stories. I can only imagine the amount of perspective it kind of gives you having that like firsthand experience working with people from, you know, maybe a different side of the streets than we are, uh, than we're used to. It's interesting yeah. when you like kind of sit back and you turn your mouth off and you just observe and listen and you kind of all the things you can pick up. I don't Absolutely. know. It's kind of fascinating. It's more Absolutely. psychological than I am probably qualified to talk about, but no, it is, it, it is it very interesting. It, it really is. Um, it really is interesting. And, and it's, I don't know, like it's, it's just been such an incredible experience. Um, and now it's like, this is why, especially, especially, you know, being the minority on, the, on a set like that, mm -hmm. like, this is exactly why we need to promote these stories in mainstream media, because it's like, yep. we need to be hearing these voices so we can gain the perspective so we can influence social, social change. I can't speak. Let me say that again. I, 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 we need to get the perspective <laughs> to see that social change. We need to see that media. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, again, as like a privileged white male for years and years, it never really occurred to me that I was always seeing myself on screen and stuff. And there's so many people who weren't. So it is very important, not only kind of like you're talking about, not only on screen, but behind the screen too, the people actually writing and telling the stories. Because for years and years, I can think of tons of projects where you watch it and it's just like, somebody who doesn't actually know what they're talking about made this kind of thing. And it's, it's, it's not always a bad, you know, it's not always a deal breaker, but it's, it, you know, you watch something like Black Panther, it's directed by Ryan Coogler. And then like, he's got his like take from like Oakland and, and just like, he talks about like his own family relationships and his own like kind of view on life and stuff. And it's totally different than if you had like, you know, just directed by Ron Howard or something. It's like, yeah, mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure you do fine, but mm. <laughs> no, sorry, Ron Howard. I wasn't trying to get much like that. <laughs> Yeah, I love the Grinch. That's a great movie. <laughs> it's awesome. 
Um, and like that's, especially with social society, I have also just been learning so much from like the badass woman who's behind that show, Tina Carter. She's just so great, you know? So even from like the female's perspective, like it's just like, yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, it's very that's empowering. That's my take on it, yeah. It's empowering for me too, and I'm a, I'm a dude. <laughs> Why not? Um, speaking of like people who you kind of, I guess, look up to or what have you. Who are some of your greatest influences? And that can be filmmakers, actors, and actresses. It can be a specific project or anything. What like, what are some of your biggest influences? And why you wanted to get into it? And like you sent me this question earlier, but I'm just, I just really, I was thinking about this earlier. I was like, how am I going to answer this? The older uh, we get, and at least for me, I don't <laughs> want to speak for you. You're not, you're not old at all. I'm an old fart now, but I like, as time goes on, this question and questions like these get harder because I see more stuff and I'm like, oh, and that, and that, and that. Well, exactly. Um, So I'll go with projects more so than like people. I guess um I mean of course like I have certain directors that I'm like holy shit like I love this person but I want to talk more about the projects in the spirit of teamwork um right on so hmm? right on (laughs) so some of my top influences like projects wise and shows and, and movies and things um is this first of all this 2005 movie called stick it which is about gymnasts and i'm obsessed with it oh yeah Uh, yeah this this dogma 95 film called the celebration super dark shit love it loved every second um also on the darker side hard candy obsessed with it um what else oh ozark Yes. Um, Mr. Robot got a lot. I just, that show. That is, that is a high quality show. My goodness. One of your questions was like, Oh, what project would you be a part of? Like if you could be a part of one would be probably Mr. Robot. Um, The Queen's Gambit also was just that show. If anything, I don't think it really influenced me, but if anything, what it did was it showed me how much attention to detail and how much, like you said, that harmony between departments and creatives and department heads and Mm. everybody matters. That attention to detail matters. And Queen's Gambit like just solidified that for me. I watched Uh, the first episode of that and it it really is like from a storytelling perspective, from an acting perspective, just all the departments, the like locations, when she's like learning in the basement with the janitor. I don't know, all of it's really, really well done. It's awesome. Um, and then also like from, from like other points of view that like, I don't know how to say this. I'm kind of all over the place when it comes to like projects that really influenced me. So that's a good thing. There's those. It's kind of eclectic. Down Abbey. (laughs) That's my guilty pleasure. You asked about guilty pleasures, Down Abbey and Parks and Recreation. Oh, I'm so happy. the shit out of this. <laughs> did you see the Downton Abbey movie? I did. I was kind of disappointed in it. Actually. Really? Oh, I loved it. I was so happy with it. I was so happy with that whole show, really. That like fourth and fifth season? Was it... When did the... Oh, gosh, I forget his name. Now. Oh, Matt Stevens. Dan Stevens. When did Dan Stevens' character die on Downton Abbey? Was it end of like season three or something? 
Shit, this is the guy who plays Matt Crawley, right? Yeah, he died in the car accident. Spoiler was... alert. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, spoiler alert. Oh, um, yeah. He needed to be the beast, I think. I forget. I think they're like... Anyways, that show is in, like season three or season four. Yeah, that, that show is incredible. But yeah. everything I was going to say, everything after the car accident is a little like here and there a little bit. It's still good, but it's yeah. But I, yeah. Oh man, those first three well, seasons are amazing. And then the, the movie, I, it's just it's, it's like such you, a feel good movie. It really is. No, in that I will definitely admit. And like, I guess part of the reason why I didn't like it so much is because I'm like, it needs to just be a TV show again. Like, Down Abbey's not a story that should be in a feature film. Like, it's not. Like, yeah. it should really just be... Well, that feature film was, like, almost, like, just an extended one-shot episode to me. Like, it's... it's Yeah. I, I could have watched more and more and more. I loved all the characters and everything. Oh, other other um, foreign pieces that also kind of make it to my list of, like, influences um, mm -hmm. also include Dairy Girls. I haven't oh, watched that yet. Is that good? Yes. That's um, about the ones in like Ireland, right? I believe. Or yeah. yeah. It's basically Irish letter Kenny, in my personal opinion. <laughs> Obsessed with letter Kenny. Um, and then also love uh the Russian version of Catherine the Great, which is in my opinion the only one I will ever recognize. <laughs> Interesting. Because it's it's made by Russians for Russians. And so So probably tells the story a little more like we were talking about. In my about. opinion, it does it better. Um there's still obviously like I'm a massive Catherine the Great nerd. So like I've read the biographies and all the other crap. And it's like, yes, there are definitely some like Hollywoodizations, but that's because it's, you know, you're trying to tell this Empress's life in, you know, a TV episode of 45 minutes. So it's, yeah. it's, it's intense. But yeah, yeah. If you that's on Amazon Prime. Check it out. It's basically Down Abbey, except in Russian and about a real person. So that's what's it called? It's just called Catherine the Great. Um, it's yeah, I think I'm just trying to think of like because in, in Russian, it's like essentially Catherine too in Russian. Oh. But I think it's just look up Catherine the Great and you should. Find it should it. be there somewhere. Yeah, it should be there somewhere. I can't wait. I love uh, good recommendations. I'll have to go check that out when I get some time. That's like dense material, though, isn't it? It's quite like a lot, I would it, assume. Well, and that's just it. Like the way they told the story, it's like, again, like they made a, and, and this is part of the reason why it's an influence for me is because they took real historical material and made it not boring. And right. And also, I think it's funny because lately you're seeing all of these Catherine the Great pieces coming out, mm. um, which is so funny because it used to usually be about like, oh, the Boleyns like had their like decade of like 50 movies. Um, yeah. you know, Mary How Stewart many times can we watch Anne Boleyn get her head cut off? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so it, it was kind of cool to see, see the media kind of picking up on another awesome, you know, female ruler, so. That was a movie that never got any respect was The Other Boleyn Girl, if anybody's ever seen that. I liked that movie. I did too. That was like pre, you know, Scarlett Johansson going like crazy famous with Black Widow and everything. And mm -hmm. I guess that would have been post Padme Amidala for, what's her name? Natalie Portman. Mm -hmm. But oh my gosh, such a good movie. So, so really scary is. in a lot of ways. It sucked, uh, you know, to have to live in that type of century. Oh man, we literally like everything we just kind of paused to talk about we're gonna to have to have like a full-on separate episode get some other heads in here and just like really like tear it apart because that sounds I, almost, almost every episode of Downton Abbey is like a full movie it's worth of 
content to talk about. Oh man. It really is. And I mean, just like from that story structure point of view, like they just, the, mm, the writing in it is gorgeous. Mm, yeah. Oh man. I can't, could not agree more. Um, we've, we kind of have dabbled in these next two questions. I was just looking at them. So I'm going to kind of combine them into one. Um, and you can take as much time as you want to answer them. Um, what are some of your favorite projects you've worked on? And if you could choose any project to join, what would it be? Or multiple projects to join? Okay. So and you can pick anything. 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 Wonder um, Woman 3 directed by, no. <laughs> directed by Patty Jenkins and Alexis Baroni, yes. Um, I am your understudy now. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Projects I would join. I guess I kind of talked about this earlier is definitely Mr. Robot. I would mm. totally, if I spoke better Russian, I would join Catherine the Great um, for season four. Hopefully that happens. I think it will. And then- Is Mr. Robot still going? I sound like such a normie. No, I have no idea. I literally have no idea. So we're just going to pretend like it is. And I think you should edit this out. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think I'll have to check it because I want to say after like season two or three, I just stopped seeing promos for it. And I'm kind of probably because Rami Malek is like super huge now. But Yeah, he's like stupid famous. Yeah. Um, Good for him, though. We need more Egyptian and, and he's actors. An incredible actor. Like that's somebody like in the side tangent, like acting is like it's an art form. Like it really, really is. Not everybody can be a full-time actor. And like, this is also where you, you see the talents of people who can do both feature film and television because feature film is one thing, like that's a sprint and you're done. Mm -hmm. Episodic, you're sprinting for possibly years. And it's just like, it's incredible to see it when people can make that shift. Well, it's such a tremendous um, opportunity for these actors to explore these characters more too in an episodic format. I've found that I really, not even just for like a viewer standpoint, but just from like a storytelling standpoint, the amount of like mini subplots and arcs and everything you can cover over like a eight to 10 episode season, as opposed to a two hour movie is just sign me up. It's amazing. And if you've seen WandaVision, don't say anything yet because I haven't. So season finale tomorrow i am like <laughs> bring it on um what else yeah those are the main projects i would probably work on i would also like i think it would be hella cool to see like the studio life back in like the 30s 40s 50s kind of thing you know early like, early hollywood right yeah early hollywood um like before all the gas companies bought up all the production companies. I probably wouldn't like it um, from a way they treat women point of view, but that's also oh. why I want to go back and just like see how that world, like it, it must've been a completely different world because I mean, even when you step onto a film set today, like in a way it kind of feels like a completely different world that, you enter you work in but then you leave and it's still part of you like in a way not that i have served in the military i feel like it is kind of like that because it's like you go to base you work and then you leave maybe <laughs> you know it's yeah. like 
it's the same thing with film, you know, it's like, it doesn't leave you, it becomes part of you. So yeah, those are projects I would heart to work on. Um, what was your other question? Uh, what are some of your favorite projects you have worked on? Oh. And you must pick favorites. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, I probably should. I really probably <laughs> Throw them all under the bus, all the rest of them. They were crap. I they hated were them. Cool. <laughs> um, I don't know, the amount of stories I have, though, on projects that were shit. Um, uh, the Red Band episode. <laughs> lots. Um, well, I'll start with projects that aren't mine because I love every single one of my projects, um, <laughs> even if I hate them at times. Yeah, well. um, so funny enough, some of my favorite memories have come from PAing on production, being a production assistant. Um, so like earlier memories in my career um, on television shows for HGTV, like Best House on the Block. Um, mm. I got to see multiple hell home renovations. That was really cool. That was such a relaxed shoot. Um, the producers were great. They let me ask a ton of questions, obviously when they weren't busy, which they were a lot. And it was super fun. That was, that was a fun shoot. The the hosts were great. That was an unscripted show that I would totally take part in, in a heartbeat again. From a narrative perspective, it's been interesting to work on some of the feature films that I have because it really, again, it really shows you how much knowing everything really comes in handy. I would say working on All Square uh, with Michael Kelly from House of Cards was a hell of a treat. Um, It was a rough set just because we were all doing like 14 hour days in sweltering 110 degree heat with humidity in Dundalk, Maryland (laughs) on a baseball field with a hundred wild extras. <laughs> it was rough, but it was very rewarding. It was super rewarding. And then also working on projects like a comedy of horrors, which hasn't released yet officially. Um, mm-hmm. That's the one where I'm holding the the, the crossbow and, and, yes. and, the, and the axe. Can't um, wait. <laughs> it was that was really fun. You know, especially with with horror films, like anthologies are really really popular from both a business point of view, but also for the viewership. It was really fun to be back in front of the camera with people who I'm so used to being on set with. That was, that was definitely a treat. Nice. Yeah. And and also getting to see some of my friends, like kind of come up into their own as well, like as producers, as ADs, as, as, you know, et cetera. It was, it was really awesome. That's awesome. I love hearing stories about all that kind of stuff. Makes me super excited. Once this pandemic is over, I'm, I swear to God, I'm super excited to get on some of these projects. Just well, that's, find that's, out. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's also like the thing. Um, you know, I think it was like a Jason. Fuck, who, who said it? I'll define you this quote. Um, but pardon <coughs> me. <laughs> Um, but there was this quote that my that my uncle, anytime I'm I'm kind of bummed out because filmmaking it's definitely a chore. Um but anytime I'm bummed out, he he always quotes this person back to me and it for the life of me, I can't remember who it is. But they said the next gig could be the gig that leads you to like your future. Mm-hmm. And every time I wanted to say no to a job, 
anytime I was like, well, I don't need the money right now. Like, I just want to work on my project. I just want to do this. I just want to, you know, maybe like go on a trip or blah, blah, blah. Like anytime I said yes, it propelled me further. And so just kind of remembering to say yes to experiences and knowing that even if they are crazy hard experiences, you know, you're, you're working on three hours of sleep every night kind of thing, like that it's going to be worth it for some reason in the end. Like you're going to look back on that experience and be like, oh, I'm ready to do this because of that experience. That's it's so true, isn't it? In almost all aspects of life, like if you're trying to get something, if you have a goal, you'd need to make progress, whether it's a little progress or a lot of progress. And of well, course, progress is progress, you know? And I, I don't know if you're like me, but it's like, I have to do things in order to figure them out and really master them. I, I'm, I can sit here and listen to somebody talk about it forever, but I really need to like get my hands in whatever we're talking about. Like, Absolutely. oh, you know, set this up this way. It's like, okay, well, can I do it? I mean, you could, I'll probably absorb some of it if I can listen, but... Absolutely. But I mean, you're, you're hundred percent right. Being able to put things into practice is really what's going to make you a better X or a better Y or a superb Z. You know, you have to do it. Even if it's shitty, you have to do Just it. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> um, so segueing from that, what are, we kind of touched on some of it already, but like, what are your absolute favorite film franchises, TV shows, etc.? Okay. Harry Potter. Uh, Did you say Harry Potter? Are you? No, that? I didn't, but I do love Harry Potter. Um, hmm. There's a lot. And I also like, I'm actually like super obsessed with, and I, and I love to work on something like this at some point in my life, even if I'm just like PAing for like a minute, like obviously I would have, hope that I made it before then so I can just be like hi I'm gonna be on your set um mm -hmm. but I love this beautiful um anime called Violet Evergarden it's incredible mm -hmm. um an animation called She-Ra Warrior Princess or something like that like yes I've heard of that one yes <laughs> yeah like those ones are great um and those are things that I'm not really like that process I'm not familiar with so even especially when I'm watching those I'm like Oh, I really want to learn more about oh, this. Oh, man. Animation would be fascinating to, like, I think of, like, people at either, you know, of course, at the mainstream, but, like, Disney Animation or even, like, Leica, some of these places, and what they do is, ooh, man, Yeah, it's, it's incredible. It's just, like, it's, I love working with people like that, and, like, even on the set that I'm working on now, like, with my mentor, Shane, like, his, like, and, and my, you know, all my other friends now on that set, you know, it's just, like, I like watching people who are really good at what they do, because mm -hmm. it's just, like, my brain doesn't work that way, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I'm still in the same field, but my brain doesn't do drawing, my brain doesn't do, I can put this camera gimbal together in 30 seconds flat and have a balance, you know, like, my brain doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. um that's not my natural talent that is and it's it's fascinating and um other franchises that I love like definitely I do like Harry Potter I would say like I love it but I do like Harry Potter um I like I said I love Downton Abbey mm. like there's worlds that you don't want to end but, like those are the ones that's my that's my qualifier I'm like yeah when did I cry Parks and Rec Letter Kenny. Oh, Parks and Rec, I really didn't want to end. The Office, Office. The Office, I was happy it ended when it ended, but 
Parks and Rec could have gone on for quite a while and I would have still been there for it. Oh, I totally agree with that. Um, Parks and Rec, what else? Um, oh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, obsessed. I, so many people tell me to get into it and I have not found the time to like sit down and watch it, but I hear it's just so funny. And it has the great Terry Crews in it. And I, just anything oh, I he's love in. Um, yeah, and that's what's and that's what's so funny is like people are like, oh, like, what do you mean you haven't watched this yet? I'm like, aren't you a filmmaker? And I'm like, I'm working. I'm literally making the shit you're watching. Right, you you're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs. Yeah, cut me some slack. I only. What the hell you think I'm doing? <laughs> exactly. It's like I watch it when I can. Um, but those are my top, top franchises. All good picks. Yeah, and it's it's. Another reason you can't see X thing that somebody's talking about. It's just like, what are, you, what are you talking about? There's so many shows to watch and TV and movies. And if you're like me and then like stand up comedy and stuff like that, those specials are like popping comedy. off. Oh man. Have you, it's seen, just... uh, have you seen Joe Coy's stuff? I have not. No. Oh, he's Is great. He a... He's great. He's a, uh, a Filipino American comedian. Um, he sounds familiar. I feel like I've that. probably passed. I'm going to have to watch it. Is it on Netflix or? Yeah, you can find his specials on Netflix. I will do that. And of course, I, like I love Fluffy. Come on, who doesn't love Fluffy? Oh, yeah. and his his actually his show about him being a teacher is pretty funny too. <laughs> yeah, actually, the the one I just found his name is I believe Tom Papa, and he's he's so super funny. I I won't even try and butcher some of his jokes, but that would be <laughs> if I had like a low key one to recommend. Um, okay, awesome. So next question is what is a show or film or some sort of project that you would like like maybe people don't know about it but they should definitely check it out sure so one of those is definitely that russian tv show i told you about hmm. um catherine the great because and like i could recommend a whole bunch of other russian tv shows but like i'm not going to but that one is just like it's a fantastically made and B, I think, educates people on, like I said, another person of history who, like, really impacted the world. Um, other shows that I think people don't really know enough about, my goodness, I, I genuinely feel like people don't know enough about Ozark. I really do. I haven't watched that either, but I hear, again, a lot of people talk about it, and it's all, like, good things. Is um, yeah, Jonathan Groff is in Ozark for a little bit, isn't he? Think... ever since like know. you know frozen 2 and hamilton kind of came at me back to back and i'm just like been such a jonathan groff like love phase lately yeah i mean like and that's oh god I, I did like oh i do like frozen um it's not something i would recommend for this particular question um, <laughs> for the two people like who that. haven't watched it <laughs> i did watch that 80 times um <laughs> tangled is still my favorite though if we had to pick Disney princess animation movies, Tangled. I'm very excited about Raya. I think Raya looks really good. I just saw something about that today, and I was like, I literally didn't know about that until today. And I was like, yes, please. Like, Well, what stinks, too, is it comes out like a couple of days if you want to pay 30 bucks, but I'm going to be waiting until that shit becomes free. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. I totally support them, but I'm already paying for the subscription. Don't try and gaslight me, bro. <laughs> well, that's like what I had to do with like Wonder Woman and all that stuff, too. Because I'm like... Mm. Like I like my, I love my friends who are in it, but I'm not paying that much. Right yeah, now. luckily HBO Max they'll just like give you the movie the same day 
they'll like take it off after a month but that was nice it wasn't like an additional fee like it yeah. seems kind of criminal and slimy to me but no, i'm not a multi-billionaire it feels like price gouging totally um like I, i've always i've always had this rant where i'm just like people who the people who are decision makers for these kinds of things are people who are not living paycheck to paycheck mm -hmm. and are people who are not going to be the ones that you know like aren't are the are the middle class like they're the ones who actually give a majority of the money to go see this film right it's like why are you gonna you know why are you gonna price gouge that to like fifteen dollars and then thirty dollars and then you know oh don't forget that like you know the kid wants popcorns you gotta get the kid popcorns where you're gonna be oh, yeah. a shitty parent you know like it's nuts well it, it's tough too because i can from the business standpoint like i don't agree with it on like a moral standpoint but i get it it's like you probably spent tons of money put all these like man hours into making this film like i was actually watching like there's like a six or seven part thing on like the making of frozen two and like all the like what goes into these animated films specifically and it's just like four or five years of blood sweat and tears put into this movie and Disney somehow has to make some money off of it. So they're just like, oh, we'll just gouge a little bit, I guess. But And they know that their product is superior. Like almost anything you get from them, almost anything, is going to be of at least a certain level. Well, and that's also where it's like, you know, I do believe in like, I do, obviously, I believe in like being able to pay the professionals behind the entertainment the money that they deserve. In some cases, I do think, and it's, you know, I'm also speaking about this from an actor, like, I hope to, I would love to be making this kind of money, and one day maybe I will be, but, like, why are we paying them $8 million to do this one fucking thing? Like, I'm sorry. Like, well, yeah, the where the money actually ends up is often disproportionate with how much work went into the thing, and it's exactly, pretty sad. Exactly. And, like, don't get, and again, do not get me wrong, like, acting, it's, like, it's an art form just like anything else. You know, they're working hard hours and weird you know, they got to be in blue body paint from 5 a.m. and then be on set at 8 a.m. in front of a fuck ton of people doing a sex scene. You know, it's hard. Like, it's, it's definitely rough work. But, like, this is kind of, it kind of reminds me of this, like, snippet of, like, I think it was a Spanish, like, TV, like, news cast or something like that. And it was, like, somebody was asking, like, a scientist, like, a news reporter was asking a scientist. They were, like, when do you think the COVID vaccine will be out? Blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, why, why is it taking so long to, to develop it? And she's like, why don't you go ask all your professional athletes who have all of the fucking money we need? Why don't you go ask all of your TV stars who have all the money we need? And it's just Why like, don't you talk to yeah. all the mili military industrial complex? I'm sure they could yeah. help you out. <laughs> exactly. It's just like the money we spend is, is disproportionate and you definitely see that in the film industry. And yeah, like I said, it's, it's, it's a weird world of politics and, 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 I will say I'll tell you a funny I'm story. Kind of knowing so, who deserves what, but yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> kind of in the same vein, like I, I recently had worked for like the Skycam group at some of these, um, you know, NFL games, and it shocked me. Going in and out of these places, they would literally like yell and like stop you like yards away if any player was like walking in a certain area, because these people make so much money and they're such like, I guess to these. NFL owners and stuff they're like that's the product and we need to keep it safe if we're paying like this yeah. much for it yeah and it's just like it shot me it's like yes they're super talented super physical I, I get it but it's like other human beings are being treated at like these like glass castles like oh my gosh don't drop them meanwhile it's like the 
<laughs> the only other time I've seen security like that was when I was at Windsor Palace in England and somebody walked on the grass and one of the bee feeders was like, oh, and just came. Hi. No, like I, I can get that. Like, and and that, that is the one thing. It's like, I feel like that's part of the perk. That's part of the reason why I'm like, you shouldn't necessarily be paying this much money to these people. Um, but it, that's like part of the perk is it's like, you do have to treat these people with kid gloves because they're about to walk onto a field in front of millions of people, you know, virtually and not virtually. And then like with well, access, sometimes with people's jobs rely on them, you know, like these people performing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Is it worth that much money? Probably not. <laughs> but, I know a guy Earl down the street who can do it for five bucks. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. So I, I don't know. You know, capitalism is beautiful. We could talk about this for hours. Anyway. <laughs> Yay, oh, capitalism. Oh, wait, that actually kind of goes back to the question. Okay. Anything I could recommend that is off the beaten path, just go to a film festival and watch all these independent filmmakers making their stuff. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, anything that's independent, that's my recommendation. Go watch it. There you go. <laughs> it's insane how much good independent stuff is out there. And when you look at, like, even just, like, go look at, like, some of your favorite people and then go back in their you know their filmography and figure out what they started at and that'll kind of give you a a big appreciation for it too it's like a lot of times your kevin feige's of the world and people like that are looking to like indie movies and stuff for talent and they're like oh i really like what this person's doing i like their tone of whatever and then they just they pluck them out of that sphere and suddenly they're a brian coogler or a james gunn or something like that but yeah and like that's and that's kind of what I've been doing <clears throat> with um, Jimmy Chin's filmography. So the guy who directed, who co-directed, excuse me, um, Free Solo about Alex Honnold climbing, oh, yeah. up, climbing up um, Yosemite. And, and so the Oscar nominated Free Solo. Oscar winning. Um, Did it win? Oh, I, I forgot. That was like, yeah, a couple years ago. You're all good. Oh my gosh. Um, but I've been going back through his filmography because I'm, I'm actually, so during the summer, I will be starting production on my first feature film, which is a documentary. Thank you. um, About a rock climber. So like, I've kind of been just watching some of his stuff because I I did like, I did love free solo. I honestly love that film. And so like, I kind of wanted to see where he came from. And it's really interesting because it's like free solo had that Nat Geo money behind it. So oh, yeah. like you tell, but like the films he'd, he'd done prior didn't, but you could still see the eye. So it's really interesting to see how, 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 how that talent and that, that, you know, that work from that filmmaker then becomes like the, the, the rough edges becomes a little soft out, like softened once you get that budget. And once you get that team with the resources behind them. So it really is interesting, you know, and like, I've been going all the way back. So I've been watching everything and, mm-hmm. you know, it's been really cool to see that I develop, you know, and be like, oh, cool. So I can do it too, you know? Yeah. You just got to do it and do it a lot. Yeah. Keep doing exactly. it. <laughs> exactly. Just keep doing it. Um, it exactly. they're, like rock climbing and uh, I forget what it, what the name of the documentary was, but for school, I had to watch this one that was about these guys and they literally had like GoPros and just like really tiny cameras and stuff that they were schlepping with them up this mountain. And like, <laughs> some of the scenes are like they're in a tent but it's just hanging there above like a three you know i don't know i'm exaggerating but you know a thousand foot drop or something it's just, was it about? Or like who who was it about there were three of them and they were at some mountain that was this specific maru, maru that was it 
that's that's one of the early Jimmy Chin films. Is it really? Oh man, so good. Well, and actually, that's his first film with his um, wife, uh, Elizabeth Chai. Oh God, her last name is Vaster. Oh God, don't publish that part. But like, um, that's that's his now wife. They weren't married back then, but like, you know, they co. That was the first film they ever co-directed. And what was really beautiful was that like he's got that obviously that very athletic. Um, he can actually go shoot these things because he is a professional rock climber, skier, etc. Um, but she really brought in, it's a great partnership because she really brought in the storytelling part behind it. That Those interviews took like, took her eight hours essentially like per person to like drag out of them. Yeah. Um, so that, that is really cool. No, Maru was awesome. But like, that's part of what got them that Nat Geo job, you know, was Most that definitely. Cool. Well, yeah, because you you know you put something out that's it was made the, with, that, those, with those cameras, like you said. Yeah, it's made of it's like a certain kind of quality, and then the opportunities will follow. Like just put in the time and effort with stuff that might not be popular now because the right person might be watching and you don't know. But exactly, and I mean, like that's and you also and that's part of the reason why not only do you have, especially if you're going to direct or DP or edit or whatever, you got to be doing your stuff on, on the side. Like I. I'm like working on this TV show while I'm also cutting the sizzle reel for this film that I'm going to be raising money for that starts in the summer. You know, like I'm working my ass off to make sure that I'm also providing those opportunities to hone my skills as a director um, while also making money to live. So, you know, you just got to keep putting in that time, but I know that this is going to be worth it because I freaking love my subject. Like he's great. So it's going to be tight. Well, it's, it, it helps so much when you like just absolutely love and adore what you're actually working on. And then it just like three hours of sleep, fine, whatever. I'm back up. I'm just exactly. I'm too excited anyways. You know, I wouldn't be able to sleep. It's like Christmas. Like they're long hours, but trust me, I put them in willingly. <laughs> oh, yes. This is voluntary torture. <laughs> it really is, though. <laughs> um. So the last thing I'll ask you about like shows and stuff you'd like. And I, I, I always say this, but like I hate calling any piece of art a guilty pleasure because i don't think you should ever apologize for something that resonates with you but what's something that like you might not consider good under other circumstances but you really enjoy it nonetheless sure that's a really good question um mine is like the paul ws anderson or whatever mortal Kombat, which is just like objectively trash but it's so much fun to watch yeah i mean like that's just it though because i feel like all the stuff that i watch like even even stuff that's quote-unquote crappy that i'm like but they tried right <laughs> they're working on it yeah. you know? nobody sets out to make a bad movie it just happens exactly. almost organically <laughs> exactly um for me it's like my guilty pleasure i define it more as like not like oh well it was like bad under like you know it's like oh it's shot on like someone's iphone kind of thing um I consider it more a guilty pleasure because like I've seen it so many times. I know what happens. Like I shouldn't really be watching this because I should be watching the other thing I said I was going to watch. <laughs> You're quoting it while somebody's trying to watch it and they're just like shot oh, up. Oh my God. <laughs> my family cannot watch movies with me anymore because I'm just like, did you oh, know? Did you know? Did you know? It's, like, it's not only that. It's not only like the, did you know, but I'm also like, wow, that lighting was trash. What were they thinking? Like, right. Why did they cut this like this? Oh my God, that was amazing. Did you see that? That was like one full take. And they're like, please shut the up. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> so Thanks. yeah. I, I missed plot like, points now. Thanks. No, exactly. I've done that before. It's so bad. Um, 
but like yeah like I guess guilty pleasures like I said would be things I'd really just keep rewatching. like that's my definition of a of a guilty pleasure so mm-hmm. like things I'm like oh I could probably quote this episode of Parks and Rec front to back back to front <laughs> but I'm still gonna keep watching it because I just need that feel good you know oh, what yeah. I mean? and I restart <laughs> yeah oh so, yeah Parks and Rec I, I love things like that too. That's like, it just makes you feel good. So you're just like, nah, I'm just going to feel good again. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So what is your, in, in terms of like all these projects you've done, you've worn a lot of different shoes. You've learned about, it sounds like quite a bit across the spectrum of filmmaking. What's like your favorite, uh, you know, position or place within the whole, uh, you know, machine that you enjoy the most whether it's an actor or producer or director yeah that's a really tricky question um and here's why because i like doing it all and i have done it all at once even on lion's den on on the short film that is going to be starting its festival run this year Mm -hmm. um i was the director and the actor on that and the producer (laughs) um it was it was a it was a ton of work and it was a lot of fun but it was also like one of those things where i'm like hmm i don't think i want to do this for maybe i don't know would i want to do this for a feature length like because it was just it was it was interesting having to go back and forth between both sides and be able to click it on a dime right um so i guess my favorite role would generally speaking be like one or the other <laughs> yeah um but i i do i love directing i love directing um do you, you you must be quite the storyteller then you love telling stories would be my guess yeah i re- i really do i really do and that's what's really interesting about the the documentary i'm working on um because i've never done doc and now it's going to be my first feature um, hey, the lord works in mysterious ways it's true though it really is um it really is again that's going back to the whole like just say yes you know, just say yes, just go, just say yes. Um, it's, it's, it's led me to good places. So yeah, I'd say my favorite role is directing. That being said, I also love, I, I wouldn't say I really like ADing, but I do kind of like producing. Um, just to kind of, I like ADing and producing in certain, in, in, in spurts. Um, mm-hmm. Just to kind of be able to watch other directors direct and DPs shoot and um, actors act like sometimes in those roles, you're able to kind of step back and take more mental notes, you know, being an actor and a director, you don't really necessarily have the time to soak it all in, um, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, cause you have to be making decisions. Yeah. You're on it in the moment, every moment for, like you said, 14 hours a day sometimes, or even more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's true it really just is. got like nom flashbacks there <laughs> i mean okay so like during like after lion's den which was a three-day shoot i sat in a bathtub and cried for like a week i was like because it was just so like so much like just like numb weird energy because i was on like 24 7 like as soon as i woke up in the morning i was answering calls and text messages and emails and then as soon as i'd go back to sleep and then i'd be doing dailies and then i'd be doing this and i was just like and so like when I had that first day off, I was just sitting in a bathtub and I was like, I'm happy, but I just like feel drained. Just numb, <laughs> just, just done. Yeah, it's just, it's 
draining. And that's like a caffeine drip into your vein. Just oh, please. Oh my God. (laughs) I do probably make that joke too many times where I'm like, I just need an IV of caffeine. Like, right. Where's my mocha latte? (laughs) Basically, um, that's, you know, that is a weird feeling. Um, Like having gone up in the ranks now where PAs are asking me, they're like, oh, what can I get you? And I'm like, I feel bad asking you to do things because right. <laughs> I've been there because I know you have a thousand things to do. You're much more humble than I am. I would be like, do you have a pen and paper? Like, like you're in a one hour practice. <laughs> well, I'm no. like, and, that's, and that is something it's just like, you know, if I obviously have the time to go get it myself, I will. But like, if I don't, then I'll just be like, I would really like a coffee, please. And thank you. <laughs> yeah. Probably a good idea in film and in all places is always to respect the little guy, though, who's asking you for your, you know, your lunch order, because if they slingshot you, you still want to be cool with them. There's definitely there is there are definitely people I know for especially now, like that I'm working on certain shows and projects and, and whatever, like whether it's from a, a co-worker point of view or from like a I'm going to do you a favor point of view. There's definitely people out there that I'm like, I cannot work with you like mm. you do not mesh <laughs> like oh yeah you know, and, and like we are not I compatible <laughs> yeah seriously you know so like there's definitely i've had experiences especially as the liberal guy especially oh lord especially as an ad with talent mm. that i'm like i will never recommend this talent they were too much to work with and they clearly don't have the respect for our side of the camera i you hear know? that from some people that i've talked to about the industry is like you you should really or not you should always be nice to everybody in any situation but like in filmmaking and stuff like this in general a lot of people will sometimes be like super nice even like through gritted teeth if they have to because you always want to be you always want to come across as nice so people will call you back because it is those people who kind of are like high and mighty and don't want to like be bothered with anything that the next time somebody nope they were a nightmare to work with please no and and that's that's the thing is there's a difference between nice and respectful so i will always treat people with respect on set but there's people that i'm like i don't have to call you back right like that's the thing nor do i have to talk crap about you behind your back so like if there's people i won't work with i just won't suggest them for things like i'm not going to call up the person and be like don't do it you know what i mean like i just not harboring negative energy and yeah exactly like if it's if it's gonna be like a potentially dangerous situation, of course I'll say something. But like, sure. um, I just won't recommend people, and I just you know I'm not gonna drag their name to the mud because I know yeah. I've pissed off my fair share of people, <laughs> you know. So like, well, yeah. if you hadn't, you haven't taken any risks in your life. I've heard that said before too. It's like if you never piss anybody off, you didn't live a really interesting life. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of um, true. It really is, you know. And you're all just gonna rock brothers. That actually is like the perfect segue because something I like to ask, I think that's a really poignant thing to ask is what is a story about some point in your life or your career up to now that was like just really difficult, that was almost like a crossroads of some kind that you make decision A, life ends up this way. If you make decision B, it probably goes a different way. Like what's, I'll give you however long you want to talk about it so you can get real into it. I know exactly what I want to talk about. So there was a feature film that I worked on and I was in um, a a leadership position. And I had heard rumors about the pay being an issue for certain departments, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, based on everybody's crew deal memos and things like that. And I was like, okay, 
And so I was like, I, you know, I had literally posted in a group, you know, on Facebook asking for somebody to, you know, like trying to help the production crew up. And so I posted, I was like, Hey, like, you know, I'm working on this piece. Like, you know, so we're looking for ex crew member, you know, like email this person, your resume and rate. Like all I did was just post about it. Like I wasn't going to be part of the hiring process or anything. Yeah. And somebody didn't blast me, but they blasted the production company. And they were like, don't work with this person, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh my God, like they posted, like the admins of the page messaged me and they're like, um, you can't post this kind of stuff. And I was like, I didn't know, you know? So it's just like, it, it looked bad on me. Um, oh, and man. then, you know, I did a little bit of digging on set and I was like, if this is happening, this is an issue. Like we're talking about money here, like people's livelihoods, like this mm -hmm. is not something you screw around with. And I can't, it came to a point where like, I was talking to like, you know, another crew member about it. Um, and I was like, I know we're in the last three days here. And I know that if I like walk that I'll probably fuck people over, but like, I cannot work on a film set that won't follow through with what they have said they're going to do, you know, whether that's pay or whether that's days off or, or blah, 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 you know, without communication and without any sort of memo at all. So I was like, I kind of want to know some answers here because like, I'm about to literally leave and we just started shooting for the day. Like I will do it. Um, and that, like, I didn't sleep for a day, a few days, five days, like on that. Oh, shoot. Like, how do I handle this situation? Like, you know, I'm not directly impacted by it, but I, I teach people like I literally, and I, I will restart hopefully this year redoing it, but like I teach people in production assistant 101, that like, you've got to stand up for yourself, like for, for money. And you've got to stand up for yourself and be getting like a certain amount of, you know, like, especially minimum wage, you know, I was like, how can I work on a film set that is actively, possibly actively wronging these people while also teaching this. So it, it became very much a personal crossroads, you know? So it was rough. Well, um, that's when the integrity is like, the question comes into, it's like, do I stand for this or do I not? Like, you gotta kind of follow your values in that moment, I feel like. Well, in the end, you know, I, I ended up and like, I was very pretty vocal about this too. Mm -hmm. um, so like, I knew the film leadership knew that I was asking questions and, and threatening to leave. Um, and at, at the end of it, like, you know, everyone, everything turned out fine. And I, I stayed through to wrap and, and, and stuff, but I don't think I'm ever going to get called back by that company again, because I question things. And for some production companies that are looking to just turn and burn, you know, I don't hold mm -hmm. it against them personally as, as humans. I don't believe that any of these people ever try to actively fuck over crew or cast. But from a business standpoint, you have to be more responsible. And I won't work with you if you're not going to be that responsible. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I. it'd be nice if we could all do that. But it's like, I certainly don't look down on, and not to say you do, I'm just like, go, these conversations, I just kind of wander in my mind sometimes. But, you know, you think about it, it's like, you know, you can't fault people for working with them, like you were saying, because sometimes that's all the work that's available. So mm -hmm. it's really incumbent upon these people, whoever's running the show to take these people's livelihoods into concern and not just, it's, and it's interesting too. Like it sounds like that situation in particular had to do with like a, la a huge lack of communication and stuff like that, but it's basic leadership principles that you wish were in every situation, but just sometimes 
whether it's like leading by example or communication, especially is like one of the hardest ones. And if and you don't have it, it's. <laughs> and that's the biggest thing, right? Like, I mean, and all in most freelancer invoices, like it's net 30, it's, you know, so like it, we're, we're, we're looking at payment 30, like a month after we finished working on a project per se. Right. Mm-hmm. For me, it's like, I do actually charge a late fee. But if you're talking to me and you're like, look, like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm going to be, you know, a couple of days late or something like that. I'm very happy to waive it, but you just got to talk to me, mm-hmm. you know, like that's really the biggest thing. So again, yeah, it respect. Really <laughs> it's just simple respect. Oh like, my you don't goodness. Have to like me, you don't have to be nice to me, but you got to respect me. Like that's, that's well, basic human courtesy. And in a professional relationship as well. Like I think some people get too comfortable with like me and others I've seen throughout my life of like in a professional environment, like yeah you can't talk like that i mean it's one thing again if you're comfortable with these people outside and you know you're you're jokey and that's established in your friend group or whatever but yeah some coworkers, it's like yeah that's also been that's also kind of been a thing like especially being a woman on set you know like it doesn't you know and i told some of my my guy friends this i'm like look i love you but you can't call us girls while we're on set you have to say ladies like and like and i don't it's not probably whatever. a it's not a good look to comment on how your appearance is every single time you say like you're looking thin today (laughs) yeah exactly kind of actually um, (laughs) seriously like excuse me if i clap up here i'm not fucking happy (laughs) exactly like if i'm all the way up here yeah (laughs) but um it's yeah that's definitely you you do bring up a really good point because it's like at what point do you have to to cross that boundary being like look i know we're i know we're, we're friends on like in general but as a professional i gotta tell you what's going on and i really mm-hmm. don't believe you should do this like and that's and that's just it. it's a big part of working on a film set or working in any industry is learning how to talk to people individually and then how to talk to people as a group and how to change that based on what the mood is i mean like like Social interaction is exhausting, and then add oh, yeah. fourteen hour days. <laughs> so yeah. that becomes that becomes a thing, and it's like five or six days in. You know, sometimes on these, and it's just like you're a zombie. And so somebody says something that might cut you the wrong way, you're just like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> like, yeah. I am super sleep deprived. <laughs> it's true. It's interesting though, because like you can really tell who's like not been on a film set. Oh, um, I'm sure. Because they take that shit real personally. Um, whereas people, and, I, and frankly, I'm still learning how to do this. You know, it's like, you know, something happens on set and it's just like, you gotta, you, you honestly have to compartmentalize that stuff and then just unpack it later. Like, is it the most healthy? No, but like, just make sure you take care of it. But like, you can't necessarily deal with it when it's like, I am like eight shots behind and like my day ends in an hour. You know, it's like, yeah, oh, man. your shit get it together i have to go you know like and for those not in the know you know a single shot can take hours sometimes depending on what the shot is so because <laughs> you got to reposition everything you got to get everybody queued up right and, and then you'd have like a, a mistake and you got to do it all over again honestly S- the, somebody the, get the doves in their cage <laughs> yeah guys where's the animal wranglers guys like i really got where the hell is it god <laughs> damn it <laughs> Guys, I just, I need, I need somebody to get Ryan Reynolds, his fucking green M&Ms. Please, please, please. 
Is that the green ones? Green ones, not purple. I'm colorblind. I don't care. That that would be hilarious. Just do like a Vine video or something of like all the funniest things you catch on set sometimes. Those exist. Those exist. I'll have to send them to you. Um, they're great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, anyways, thank you so much for joining us. This was a, a great conversation. I hope you will uh, you'll come back and join some of our panels. Um, thank you. I would you. love that. Thank I would you. love that. Where, Thank um, you. <laughs> yeah, where can uh, people find you on them internets? I'm obviously sure. IMDb. I'll drop that link in the description. On the internets, you can find me on Instagram at Alexis Esperoni. So it's A L E X I S S Baroni, my last name, B A R O N E. And then uh, I think it's the same on Facebook and Twitter as well. Nice. It is the same on Facebook and Twitter as well. And then the IMDb link, as Spencer said, will be right right in that bio got you i got you well thank you everybody so much and again this is something that i've been trying to do for i say a while we've only been doing this podcast a month but like trying to get all sorts of different voices from different backgrounds different genders ethnicities all that kind of stuff because i think everybody's story is super interesting so the more different opinions and stuff if you feel like you want to come on and talk or you know somebody who might be super interested in filmmaking and all sorts of stuff and you want to you know, shout them out. I'd be happy to talk to them because I love talking about this. Thank you again so much. I appreciate it. Good luck to everything that you aspire to do. I really hope the best for you. Uh, and come back and see us. And I, I always have to plug, if you get like an opening night to any Star Wars or Marvel project or something, I'm going to be like your plus 15. I'll take Got nosebleed. It. I'll take nosebleed seats. I'm a humble man. I'm sorry, Spencer. I only got to plus 14 this time around. I'll, I'll watch it from a screen out in the in the parking lot with all the other losers. <laughs> You'll be like, can I at least come to the happy hour? I'll be like, yeah. Right. Can you slip me some drinks? No. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, stay tuned for next week's program. I believe Tuesday we are recording our WandaVision Season 1 recap. And then Thursday we are reviewing the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie. So hopefully those will be out uh, within a day or two after that. Otherwise, stay safe and be excellent to each other. Bye, everybody.